What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the new Thursday edition of the Two Buck Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, checking in with my good buddy, Uncle Buck, Drew Gann, again on our new night. You know, it's it feels longer than usual. Like, I feel like uh, Wednesday just came up quickly. Now it feels like Thursday is forever away, even though it's the same amount of days in between. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. It's like you have a routine, and even though it's the same amount of days away, it's just kind of like when Wednesday gets here, you're just like, okay, we should be podcasting. You don't realize that it's only been six days, you know, but it's like Mm -hmm. it's a Wednesday thing. You know, if it would have been – if we would have moved to Tuesday instead of Thursday, it would have felt like it got here really quick every week because you're anticipating recording on a Wednesday, you know. Yeah, and and that's it. Like, I just kind of sat around last night like – (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what to do with my hands, you know? <laughs> I know. I feel you. I feel you. It was um, like I was I was needing to do something all night long. Like there was something that needed to be done that I haven't done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. you walk into the room and it's like, what was I here for? And you know, that's yeah. that empty feeling like crap, I'm getting old, you know. I thought of it like you leave the house and you get out of the neighborhood, you're on the highway and you're like, Did I shut the garage door? Did I turn the coffee <laughs> oh, pot man. off? The garage door is the number one thing for me because it's just so 100%. second. I hit the button and it's just so second nature to me. That, but it's so routine it's that just I forget deleted. that I do it. And if I think it, if I think for a second, did I do it? I might as well just turn around right there. And let <laughs> I'm me tell the same you, way. not one time have I ever turned around and the garage door's been open. Same, and I was just about to say, (laughs) you know, I don't have a garage right now. I'm in a condo that doesn't have that, but I've had a garage most of my adult life. And same thing, a hundred times out of a hundred, I will think I didn't shut that garage door, and it was shut every single time. But yet, that for whatever reason, I don't, you know, I thought as I would mature and get older, like I'd be able to remember that. But it's like my brain instantly hits delete as soon as that gets put in there. (laughs) It's just like so routine, you know. Sometimes I'll. You know, you drive down the road and realize, oh crap, I forgot to put my seatbelt on. It's just like it's so common, mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. routine that you just miss it. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, have you ever gotten those weird feelings like you uh, you're in thought or whatever? And I used to do this a lot when I was younger, and I don't know why, some kind of disassociation or something. But yeah. I walk into a room and and just think like, now I don't remember anything about the trip I took here. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's like you'll sit around and just like. I know I walked here, but I don't remember, yeah. you know, like it just because I mean, you walk the same tracks there back a thousand times a day, you know, it's the same, like on a, like a commute, like you'll be driving along, yeah. I'll zone out, be thinking about my day right. or the night before or whatever. And then I look up and I'm like, how did I get here? Right. I could have wrecked a thousand times. Right. Did I miss <laughs> that like, stop sign? But that's it. I went around like six curves to get here. <laughs> right. and I don't remember any of them. <laughs> did I get a person? Like, yeah. I like, was, was that a, you know? it's like the episode of the office, right? Where it's like, Michael hit a speed bump on the highway one time. <laughs> I wonder who he ran over then. Yeah. <laughs> I give them a lot to charity. Occasionally, I run over with a woman with my car. What's yeah, so he hard? says, he says, what are, do I have flaws? Sure. What are my flaws? I give too much to charity. I sing in the shower. Sometimes I run over people with my car. So sue me. No, don't sue me. <laughs> yeah. Why do I have a hard, such a hard time getting my point across? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. All right, my beef. I'm going to get into it because I feel Let's like go. it's uh, re- very relevant. Uh, we've been doing this podcast one year. One calendar year. Oh yeah, uh, and I noted this, uh, and it's it may bring you down a second, but I saw our good friend Caitlin put on Facebook that it had been one year yesterday that our good mm. friend Keith passed away, and that was like Absolutely. our first episode 
was mm-hmm. right after Keith passed because that's how we started this whole thing off was talking Absolutely. about our good friend and and colleague who uh, <coughs> who lost a long hard fight with cancer and uh, mm. and so since that day I mean I never thought we'd make it a year I know we always <laughs> had a good time uh, yeah and. You know, it'd be curious. I guess I could have given you this a, a little heads up so we could kind of recap like where we're at now. I, I, I'd be curious. To I looked at it in. today. Yeah. I looked at it today. We've been downloaded almost 3,000 times. We've been downloaded in uh, 22 countries. We are downloaded in probably, I mean, I, I don't know exactly, yeah. but probably I'd say probably 15, 18 states. Um, we average across Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Google, we average somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 200 downloads a week. And That's so awesome. like, it's, it's really going yeah. like, it's just two dudes from, from North Mississippi who decided a year ago, I called Drew on the way to work and was like, Hey man, like I've been listening to these podcasts and like, this is going to sound super braggadocious. I don't mean to. I'm like, I think our banter was pretty yeah. good yeah. and I think we could do a podcast. And it, it was an excuse for us to get together have a drink, hang out on Wednesday nights, and just stay in touch. Right. You know, you're not, yeah, we don't was, live close, and it was a good opportunity for us just to stay connected. It was kind of the whole premise of the the podcast when we got to talking about it. It's like that's that's the format we wanted, you know, not yep. regimented, not, you know, a lot of segments or interviews, but it was just a recreation, a publication of our weekly or biweekly or sometimes five times a week phone calls yeah. that we have yeah. about yeah. sports. You know, yeah. we – we are those people, you know, you see the tweet that goes around. It's like, men are so strange. They get t- introduced to a team when they're five years old, and for the rest of their life, their moods are determined <laughs> on that that set of laundry. And that's us. 100%. We live yeah. and die with all of our teams, and only one of our teams don't hate each, the other. You know, it's yeah. like we only agree on one. And so to make it a year, like, cheers to you. Man. Still yeah. going strong, having a great time, still doing that's it. That's it, man. And, Absolutely. Uh, another year's coming. So, absolutely, and I, you know, I had a beef centered around adulting and just how like life sucks at times. But like, it's just it's it's relative. You know, if you look over my left shoulder here on YouTube, not only do you oh. see the League of Avengers fantasy football uh, first place trophy from last year, but just above it, um, our good friend, good friend of the podcast, Caitlin Scott, who Drew mentioned earlier, gave me two hats of Keith's and. I wear one of them and then I hang that one over my shoulder. So he's right. in every episode. And so this, yeah, you're right. This show started off as a dedication to Keith. And I think it's only fitting that we dedicate the episode 58 one year in once again to Keith Scott, uh, who I don't necessarily know he lost that battle to cancer because yeah. he fought yeah. that battle so and well for a long and time, yeah. for a long time, man. And even when he was, you know, towards the end, when it was, it was tough for him to talk, he would still call me right. and, and I would just, I'd say, Hey buddy, and he, you know, he'd say what he could, and then I would talk for thirty minutes, and then and we just hang up, and it right. just he fought the fight well, and right. um, so this goes out to Keith, the whole Scott family. They've been posting a lot on, on Instagram this week just about him. So, uh, Keith, buddy, I know you're listening, man. We love you. We appreciate you, man, and uh, looking forward to seeing you again one day. So, absolutely, that's our shared beef, man. Give me what was your best moment of the week? Oh, that was my best. You give me your best. Mm. My best was the one year. Yeah. So, I will say. My best is Mama Lee, man. Oh, Shout yeah. out Mama Lee. She uh, flew up this weekend. It's been going through a lot in, 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 in my personal life. Just a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts, a lot of stuff going on, and details will follow in, in the coming weeks. But um, Mama Lee decided to fly up here and see her firstborn son, and uh-huh. so she flew in on Saturday uh, out of Huntsville, Alabama, and, and came in, and we spent 
four great days together. We danced at Dead Dog Saloon, where you and I have danced before. <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> you'll have to tell me how that went one day. <laughs> yeah, uh, th- this time was much better, much better. Um, I actually drank water this time. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Wow. That was the waitress's fault. It was not our fault. And so, if you want to know, tune into the Patreon account if you want to hear that story. Oh, but yeah, um, what a tale that was. Yeah. But any at any rate, um, Drew and I danced there all night one night, and me and Mama Lee danced there Sunday night, and just just some good quality time with her. You know, I, 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 Drew knows my mama. A lot of our listeners know my mama. She is one of the best, just oh, yeah. outgoing, sweet lady. And so my. Buck's best of the week is Mama Lee and how well she loves me, man. So shout out Mama Lee for coming to see me. Yeah, there's nothing that resets you. I mean, I don't care how old you get. And I believe it's especially true with guys, whether you want to admit it or not. But there's nothing that resets you quite like just sitting down and talking to Mama. You know, That's it. I've never apologized. I mean, me and my dad, we're thick as thieves. We watch all of our sports together. But I've always been a Mama's boy. Like, yeah. you know, if I need it, you know, it, it, me and Mama, you just sit down and we'll just, yeah. There, there's just something about Mamas, you know. Yeah, and, you know, life gets busy, and especially being far away, it's right. tough sometimes. We don't talk every day or all the time, but, like, those Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings when she'll call me, because we're both early risers, and so she'll call me early on a Saturday, excuse me, or a Sunday, and we'll just chat for, like, an hour or two. Right. And just catch up like everything's right. And, and same, you know, my dad's health is declining. He's not the same that he was, and you know with the dementia stuff going on with him like it's it's tougher to have conversations with him so I, well, I, I appreciate the conversation I have with him but you know there's a reason that you know I, I heard this joke from a comedian years ago you know dads spend all this time in the backyard with their sons playing football and teaching them how to catch and run and tackle and push-ups and doing all the things and right. the kid goes through school and his dad teaches him all the things about football and he gets to college he scores a touchdown, and the camera comes in his face, and what's the first thing he says? <laughs> I love you, mama. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. it was a, anyway, yeah. it's just something about, especially a Southern boy and his mama, so right. shout out Mama Lee. Yeah. All right, my beef is, is, gonna, is out of left field, okay? So it's a beef I've always had, and every time I hear this song, I'm like, I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, and I never have because I forget. I just don't write it down <laughs> or whatnot. Well, last night, I was watching part of the CMAs. It was just on, you know, don't get me into state of the country music right now. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I don't have very nice things to say about it. But it was on, I knew they were doing a Buffett tribute at one point. And, and so I just had it on. And at one point, they did a Joe Diffie tribute. Oh, yeah. And they were doing John Deere Green. Mm, what a song. And it's an incredible song. Me and Haley, when we first started dating, it was her middle name is Carlene. So I like Billy Bob loves Carlene. Was That's I it. just changed, took the H out of Charlene? I mean, it's it, perfect. We just listened to that song like it just came out, but it bugged me to no end because this is country. You know, we don't say things right. You know, every there's a slang, there's a accent in the South that it just it just doesn't work, and. Um, so, in my music, I want to hear that reflected. And it's mm-hmm. like Joe Diffie set it up but didn't execute it. Okay? And I'm going to read mm-hmm. you the lyrics, and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Verse 2. They settled down on 80 acres, raising sweet corn, kids, and tomatoes. Every time I hear that, I'm like, that was your time. You say tomatoes. Mm-hmm. 
Tell me, if if T Pain can I'm rhyme crazy. Wisconsin, Wisconsin and Mansion, like you can rhyme acres and tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean you set it up. That's why you wrote it. It doesn't. Golly. Every other line rhymes. Uh, you know, if you look up in the uh, the first line of the first verse, they were farm kids, but down in Dixie, they met in high school at the sixties. Those those rhymes. It works. It you works. set it up. They settled down on 80 acres, raising sweet corn, kids, and tomatoes. Why did you not say tomatoes? Are you ashamed of your upbringing? Jeez, it's ob- you obviously wrote it that way. You've got yeah. to execute. Like, I mean, we're two boys from backwoods in North Mississippi. We say potatoes I feel and like tomatoes. Joe I mean, you got too big for us. You know, he no, he it. wrote this it, song as he forgot a his city raisin boy, is what it was. Know? He forgot his raisin. He forgot his raisin. <laughs> He forgot what it was like to raise sweet corn, kids, and tomatoes. Tomatoes. You know? I mean, I know he's from South Georgia, but like, it ain't that much different in North Mississippi. I mean, my you goodness. can't you can't walk away from all that all that teaching that Mama gave you. Let's see, uh, <laughs> songwriter. It was it was written by a guy named Dennis Lind, and so I'm guessing that Dennis Lind knew what he was talking about. And Joe Diffie's like, no, I'm not saying tomatoes. I ain't no redneck, and uh, I resent I'm trusting him for so see. much for setting it up. But not knocking it out of the park there. Oh uh, yeah, because Dennis Lind, I look him up. R.I.P. Passed away in 2006. Is from Abilene, Texas. In Abilene, oh, Texas, they raise corn and tomatoes, 100. Yeah, percent And Joe absolutely. Diffie looked this grown man in the face and said, "No, I am going to go big city Nashville. That's a that's a, that's a difference than Memphis and Nashville, well, man. It's in, a white collar town, and we're going to raise tomatoes. Yeah, you don't have God. to say tomatoes. Like I'm not like over here. You know, pounding the drum that we should, everybody should pronounce it tomatoes. But if you're going to set up the rhyme, execute it. It's a layup, man. Yeah. Come on. It's it like, makes the song not flow. It drives I mean, like, I'm, it literally drives me crazy every time I hear it. <laughs> it's like, it's like in the NBA, you get a perfect steal, you run down, and then you just doink the layup off the front of the rim. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just like there. It's the guy that, that steals second base but comes up three foot short, so they're like crawling to second base. That's <laughs> like, it. He's scorpions, and his yeah. feet come up past his ears. And then they're just like <laughs> shuffling like a toddler. <laughs> yeah. you know? Like army crawling into yeah. second base. Like, so, you miss an opportunity. RIP to the goat Joe Diffie. But, yeah, um, but your, your reputation is now tarnished to all of our listeners because it's going to drive you crazy, too. Yep, 100%. 100%. You still got pickup, man, though, although I think I'm going to have to dive into that one and see what you're missing on that one. Now, that may be our beef for next week is Pickup Man by Joe Diffie and where I he doesn't rhyme. I have home videos of little Uncle Buck as a just a little tot running around the house singing Pickup Man. <laughs> one time I'm standing on the brick mantle. I can't be more than three years old, and mm. I just tumble headfirst off of it. In the middle of the chorus of Pickup Man. <laughs> just feeling it, man. Yeah, there Dad, are You can see Dad just drop the camera. Like, oh. <laughs> you know? There are dozens of videos of me and Clark putting on concerts about that same age oh, and yeah. uh, singing Garth Brooks, Pickup Man, oh, yeah. singing John Deere Green, and there's yeah. one I'll never forget. Clark and I are up on stage, and Clark just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, turns to the imaginary person to his left and says, Come on, Ricky Van Shelton, and then just keeps <laughs> on singing. <laughs> all right, what's your beef? Uh, man, um, adulting, <laughs> you know, I miss the days that the hardest thing we had to worry about was skint knees and where we were going to spend the afternoon playing right. or what uh-huh. we were going to do, man. Adulting, like we've talked about this on this podcast. We belabored this point so many times. I can't walk out the door for less than 250 bucks uh, anymore. No. I can't, you know, 
uh, yeah, air conditioner, truck, you know, so many different things. I, you know, I'm 36. It's well established. I'm the grandpa on this podcast. I finally get a good night's sleep, and my neck is like, nah, you did that wrong. And then I can't move for the rest of the day. Right. And it's like, what? Like, can I just get a win? Like, I just need one. Like, I tried to exercise the other day, and like, mm-hmm. my knee hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Like, I like, thought I was doing good here. I thought you were supposed yeah. to get rid of this, but. Yeah. You know. I also have another beef, and it was a great beef that was brought to my attention by my good friend and co host here, Uncle Buck. Yeah. Uncle Buck, here is the thing. My favorite holiday uh-huh. is Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It's got the best, three of the best Fs in life. We've got food, <laughs> we've got family, we've got football, right? Three like, of the best Fs. <laughs> the three best Fs in life. We've got f- food, family, and football in that order, right? Yeah. And so, it's, I mean, it's the best. Like, it's, <clears throat> it is truly the GOAT holiday. All you do is, like, you wake up, and the first thing uh, you think about is food. Yeah. Yep. It's food. Absolutely. And then you got football to watch. You eat till you're miserable. You wear stretchy pants, and right. you ain't got to worry about anything else except for feasting for the next right. 10, 8, 10, 12 hours. Right. I got a beef with people who try and bypass my favorite holiday. We asked on our Instagram, and I'm sure you're going to lead into this some, but when is it acceptable to put up your Christmas tree? We have some smart listeners, but Uncle Buck, what is your... You posed this question, so what is your answer? Tuesday, November the 7th. (laughs) (laughs) I assume that's what that was. (laughs) Listen, I used to be like you, and I am like you. I do think that that Thanksgiving deserves its time. However, since I've become a homeowner, I get so into the decorations of the house. Like, Especially, I'm a, you know, like a... Clark Griswold was said once said, you know, <laughs> I know everything you got to know about exterior elimination. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, that's what I look forward to. Now, we put, Haley asked to put up the Christmas tree. I was said, you know, I was like, okay, cool. You know, I said, but we are not decorating the outside of the house until after Thanksgiving. You know, we'll put yeah. up the Christmas one of the Christmas trees. We put up two. I'll put one up back there by that lamp that'll have all my Ole Miss Dan Mary Mint ornaments that I've been collecting <clears> over the last twenty years. Um. If you don't, if you haven't looked into that, we'll talk off air. You need to look into that. It's a subscription service, and every year they send a custom collegiate Christmas ornament. I'll show you all mine one day. They're incredible. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, it's like I, twenty bucks. They have other they have other schools. That yeah, miss, yeah, though, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. just make sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want those. It's all the same <laughs> ornament, but uh, Santa's wearing different. Like I got Santa riding a helicopter, <laughs> Santa in a hot air balloon, or Santa driving a tractor. Like it's something mm-hmm. different every year. It's great. Uh, That's cool. But. Yeah, we put ours. We put one of ours up on uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> Real quick sidebar, you'll appreciate this. I've got a I've got a uh, a patient who um, is looking at colleges, and uh-huh. so I just randomly asked her. I'm like, "So where are you looking at?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, like so and so, so and so, so and so." And then I think about Ole Miss, and I was like, "Why? We're in South Carolina." She's like, oh, "I got a friend that goes there," and so now like that's been the running joke. She's like, "I'm going to Ole Miss. I'm going to Ole Miss. I'm going to send you a picture when I get there," and I'm like. You know what's like crazy? <laughs> Ole Miss just hit their highest enrollment ever. I believe in it. The football program in the Southern and SEC schools in particular are the Drives. front door mm-hmm. of everything that happens at that university. Yeah. When the Ole Miss, when the football program is buzzing, mm-hmm. the whole it trickles down it, to the enrollment, to the yep. staff's enjoyment of it, to. You know, 100%. You, uh, of course, like the Olympic sports and all the non-revenue sports, 
but even the sheer number of people who want to go to college at your yeah. university is affected. If you're a by winner, how it happened? Mm-hmm. It happened at Mississippi State with Dan Mullen, and it hit it, record worth, lows under Matt Luke. <laughs> yeah, it, it's worth looking into. Like Alabama is the best example. Like under Franchoni and and Dubose and Shula, they were piddling along. And then when Nick Saban won that first national championship, it exploded. I don't have, I don't remember the numbers, but I looked it up one time, and it's just wild how much it exploded. But anyway, we're getting off topic. So, we have some smart listeners. One, uh, RC Witten DPT, Rusty Never Buckets on Instagram. <laughs> after Thanksgiving, uh, friend of the podcast, West Yale. Day after Thanksgiving, Micah Thomas, a good friend of mine, friend of the podcast, big Grizz fan. He's an ER doc down on the coast. Shout out, Micah Thomas. Has sent a picture of his Christmas tree already up. <laughs> uh, there you go. Me and Michael uh, get along. Yeah, we've got uh, Gray at day after Thanksgiving, Bowen December first, Caius Thanksgiving so week or week before just, to get it over with. If you go as far as I do with the exterior illumination, mm-hmm. three weeks is not enough because there <sighs> I mean, is, this a, is, this is there may not no, be a hard end. There there may not be a hard end when it comes to decorating, like yeah. you know, but there is a hard out. I want everything off sure. the December twenty sixth. You know, like I'm really? not going to New Year's. I at least with, no, no. It's bad luck, man. It's, it's you got to let it stay up to at least New Year's. I always so I so rounding out. We got Amy, Julie, new friend of the podcast, Sarah Sanders, and cousin Kirk are all after Thanksgiving. Or Kirk said the day immediately following Thanksgiving break. Kirk's so not setting up we, his tree, anyways. No, we you know he ain't. We know Jessica's doing that. He ain't doing <laughs> yeah. that. But we've got some smart listeners, and we're talking about a tree. Like we're not talking about exterior illumination. Like that's different. We're talking about a tree, and yeah, it's supposed to be bad luck, man. You got to leave it up to the New Year's. Okay, we'll leave it up. There you go. But it, so but I, the decorations outside are coming down. I Mary, mean, I, the inflatable I, Mary and Joseph I bought last year mm-hmm. will hit the ground on December twenty sixth. <laughs> That's probably fair. That's fair. I get a live tree. I'm a live tree guy. I love the smell. I, I don't. I know it's sticky. I know there's a lot uh-huh. of stuff going on with it, but I like live trees, and so I get mine the week of Thanksgiving. I put that bad boy up in my in my stand. And then it stays up till just after the new year, and then like by probably by January third, it's gone. No, I get a pre lit tree that comes in three sections. I don't deal with the branches or nothing. Yeah. So, anyways, let's get to sports. Let's get to sports. Enough of this. So, Drew, our, our Grizz. We got good news. We got bad news. Yeah. About our, well, hold on. <laughs> yeah, we'll go Grizz. Good news. Bad news about Grizz. Good news is the Grizz were one and zero. I officially dubbed the first six games. As preseason games that don't count. Like, respect my decision. Yeah. And we got to win. We did. We got to win. After and we looked the we, part of an NBA team. We threw away a loss in overtime. In overtime. We don't so talk about I stayed losses. up for that. I did, too. I stayed up for it that. It was an 8 p.m. tip yeah. in Portland. And 9 p.m. for those of us yeah. on the East Coast. You had a 10-point lead with two minutes to go, and you squandered it. made me stay up for overtime, and you lost. Yes. It was awful. And awful. then you played Portland again. And it was like, okay, good. You know, you finally got your first win. You know, I laugh mm-hmm. so hard every time I see the meme on Twitter of Pete per- Pete Pranica. Have you mm-hmm. ever seen that one with him wearing the chain? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> across his forehead, it says, I'm going to yell hammer nail coffin so, <laughs> so loud. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that co- popped up for the first time the basketball season because that's what he says as soon as the Grizzlies yeah. seal the hammer win every nail time. Coffin. This baby's over, you know. Uh <laughs> And so I was like, all right, here we go. We're 1-0 in our last one game. And <laughs> my dad texts me Wednesday. The Grizzlies played Wednesday night last night. We'll talk about it. My dad does not get the NBA. He thinks he likes to make fun of me for being so invested in it. And he said, 
your Grizzlies are one and six. Are you okay? You know, very sarcastically. And I said, <laughs> sure. we're on a one game win streak. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then ended. last night <laughs> happened. <laughs> <laughs> we lost to the Heat. And in, in a competitive game, though, that's the thing. Like, we've been competitive in every game. And it's just like we run out of gas. And I think a, a large part of it is our injured list would be a pretty oh, formidable yeah. starting five. Like, yeah. the people who are on our injured list would beat a lot of NBA teams. Yeah. It, it's truly sad, you know. You start the season with the news of Steven Adams being out mm-hmm. for the year, and then the practice before your first opening night, Santi Aldama twists his ankle, and then three mm-hmm. games into the year, Derrick Rose has a bum knee, and – I mean, it's just one thing after another. And it's Luke Kennard's brain was broken yeah, for a couple Luke of games. Luke Kennard had a concussion. and yeah. uh, It's just been a really frustrating year so far. You, We get another game. We get to avenge one of our losses uh, tomorrow night against Utah. And so mm-hmm. it's the first. It was That was our worst loss of the year, 133-109, to 109, to a team that's just as bad as we are. We have zero nah. business losing that bad to the yeah, Jazz. Yeah, they just shot us plumb out of the arena. Uh, it was but one like of those freako s- nights. But, but everybody keeps having those freako right. nights against us you where know, they go uh, they shoot their career high from three, and it's like. Yeah. I believe I believe that the Washington <laughs> Wizards' only win of the season is still us. You know, yeah. that's, that's the most depressing loss of the year so far, but. But we'll yeah. ride the ship. You still got Ja coming. Bain had a, a tough night last night. Mm-hmm. Jaron's been really good. You can tell that Bismack Biombo has is really uh, fitting that role there. He's yes. He's been a real hustle and tangibles guy that you. It, it's really like Stephen Adams light. It's like exactly. the only person that you can find in the NBA that can replicate the Stephen Adams role. He's a very so, good passer. It's just it's looking up. But you I wouldn't got to talk to get about healthy. that. I want to talk about that because I was hard on the front office after the way they handled the Stephen Adams situation. I want to give them credit because that's exactly what they did. Like, they went out and got somebody who's not as good as Big Kiwi, but somebody who plays in the same I same agree. style. He gets the tip outs. Like, last night, even there were several times where he would tip a ball out, out to the perimeter, and it looked just like Steve O down right. there. But, and my beef is, Bismack Biombo was there for the taking since uh june you know like go get your guy get him in training camp and cut somebody you know and then maybe we're we're not one in seven right now maybe we're three and four you know there's a couple games that he could help us without him you know yes and so anyways uh that's all i want to talk about the grizzlies we're in the crux of football season but before we get to football i don't know if you saw this or not i want to take a quick sidebar talk about college baseball just for a second yes uh did did you see see this? this The permanent, the yes. permanent teams. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to get your take on it here. I'm uh, I'm pretty upset about it. But uh, did you see who so, our two teams were? Okay, we're getting there. So, uh, with the new reshaping of the Southeastern Conference, adding yes. in Texas and, and Oklahoma to get us to 16, kind of di- losing divisions in all sports. And so what they've done and in what they're going to do in football as well. But in baseball, they already announced what your permanent opponents are going to be. So Starting every in 2025, year, so two in, years. Yeah, and you've got 10 SEC series. In the past, you've played uh, six series against the West, in our case, six series against the West, and four series against the East. Now, there's no West and East, so you only have three, uh, three teams every year that you will play, your permanent opponents that you will play every year. For mm-hmm. Ole Miss, it is going to be Mississippi State and Arkansas. 
And for Mississippi State, it's going to be Ole Miss and LSU. Yes. So <laughs> I am so pissed that uh, we lost our true rival in LSU. And oh, God, get out of here. We're losing our Vanderbilt rivalry and everything. Get out of here. It's not a <laughs> – It should – Ole Miss should have been Vanderbilt and LSU. I mean – Oh, my gosh. No, I'm that, just thanks for, I don't want Thanks that. for listening to no. Two Bucks Sports Podcast. I'm turning it no, off. That's all kidding. for tonight. Ole Miss, that's, that's what it should be in football, rather. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're playing Mississippi State and Arkansas. And, and as far as Ole Miss goes, you couldn't hope for anything better because, I mean, Mississippi State's a dumpster fire. Right now. <laughs> and, uh, and Ole Miss is on the way up. Signed the number five recruiting class out of high school yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's not anything. I mean, I know that you're going to be mad that you got LSU and, and Ole Miss. But, like, if but, you look at across some of like, Arkansas got Ole Miss and Missouri. Like, that one. Yeah, like, and that's and regional. Got, uh, that's the old big yeah. eight ties, you know. But, no, like, why didn't you – like, you should have went Ole Miss and Texas. Like, that's like that's what you want. Texas is A&M and Oklahoma, which I understand. But – I get it's regional, but then you've got, like, Florida has got uh, Georgia and South Carolina. They're going to beat the brakes off of those two teams nine out of every ten years. And uh, so Georgia's not historically very good, though. And that's what, no, that's what, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, Florida's going to dominate Georgia in that series. And, again, it's only two series out of, you know, what, what's five series that we're going to yeah. play. So, you have three rotating opponents. And so – Well, no, you play, you play ten series. That's what I'm saying. So you oh, so you got so eight. So you got eight seven, rotating. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. eight rotating. So mm-hmm. eight rotating. So I mean, you'll still get to see a lot of these teams, and I'll love to be able to go. You know, see Mississippi State when we play some of these yeah, other teams. Because and, and like, it'll be cool to, to see that. Will not play LSU every year, and that's fine. But when you do it this way, you're playing at least every other year because you're feeling yeah. eight. You're feeling you're feeling eight weeks with fifteen teams. Yeah. And so, it really works out great. You were looking back, Ole Miss plays Georgia this week mm-hmm. in football. This is the first time Ole Miss has played Georgia since 2016, and that was in Oxford. Before that, it was 2009 in Georgia. Mm. So, yeah. that's it's you've got seven years <clears throat> before you play that East team again. And so, yep. it stinks that way. Of course, I don't wish I played Georgia every year, not how Georgia is now. <laughs> But so I'm not but mad we're dropping will, Alabama next year. <laughs> yeah, like Ole Miss next year does not play Alabama, Auburn, or Texas A&M. We don't, and we don't play LSU. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's pluses and minuses. I am glad sure. to, you know, I feel like it. The conference hatred will go up. You know, there will mm-hmm. be more beef in between schools. Like Ole Miss has no reason to hate South Carolina, but if you're playing them every other year, you gr- you know there may be stuff that happens. You know. So. Yep. That's what I just wanted to touch on that. I thought that was really interesting, and and it's yeah. kind of chalk. That's what I expected out of Ole Miss. Uh, sure. I figured it would be Mississippi sure. State and LSU, or Mississippi State and all, or all, and all. Or I, I thought LSU's LSU's got the LSU's got Mississippi State, which makes sense. I thought LSU Arkansas would be the other. A and M's not a bad pickup for them because A and M's another team yeah, on the rise. LSU but. needed Arkansas. I'm, I'm curious <laughs> why that happened because why they Arkansas went A and M. Got Missouri, and maybe That's what I'm they just couldn't find anybody to put with Missouri. But I mean. Like, yeah, Oklahoma and Arkansas is one of the winners here. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, getting Ole Miss and then Missouri, who's consistently like a middle of middle they're to bottom fine. of the pack. You know, they're yeah. fine at best. Uh, you yeah. know, they're it's tough to win at Columbia for whatever reason. But when you get them, you get them in in Fayetteville, you're going to beat them most years. Right. And so, yeah, I, yeah, Missouri, uh, Arkansas definitely got a pass there. But, but yeah, back to the task at hand. We had a. Uh, 
our, our picks for last week. One of us went three and two. The other went two and three. Who went what? I picked Alabama to beat LSU, Missouri to cover against Georgia, and Ole Miss to beat A&M. And then you picked Ole Miss to beat A&M, and you picked Kentucky to beat State. Yeah. That was it. So, on the season, I am now 23 and 23, boys. We are gambling again, back to 500. <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. I haven't been here the whole time. And then Uncle Buck is at 24 and 22. So, Two we in this win. thing, baby. Yeah. We in this yeah. thing. <laughs> so, uh, so, tell me about your revs, man. Let's touch on the revs real quick in that A&M game. Yeah, so, uh, it, was, it felt a lot like the LSU game. And I feel like a broken record, but this team has so much character. Uh, and they've got so much fight in them. I trust that offense more than I've trusted an offense since I don't, Chad Kelly. You know, um, mm-hmm. you go down and you you the game had blowout written all over it. And I told you leading into this game that I was worried about special teams, uh, and I was really worried about uh, uh, Smith, uh, Anaya Smith, Anaya Smith. You know, I I didn't want him to punt to him. Turns out. They mm-hmm. punted to him every time. He had three return yards the whole day, the yeah. whole game. They did an yeah. incredible job on kick, on punt coverage. But Ole Miss is up fourteen nothing quick. They're driving. They score to go up twenty one nothing. But he gets called back for a hold, and they settle for a field goal. And A and M makes a incredible play. Swats the the field goal. Turns it back for a touchdown. And that's like a fourteen point swing. You know, if you you know, you can say that, you know, if the holding call doesn't happen, that's a 14-point swing. If you say that had to happen, it did happen, it's a 10-point swing just based on a potentially made field goal to a other team's touchdown. So that made it 14-7, and it you could tell by looking at it that the whole A&M sideline got juiced because they were ready to go out because they, they were not stopping that offense, and they didn't the whole game. Uh yeah. Goes into the half, uh, seven-point game, I believe. And uh, A&M, I was just kind of thinking to myself, like A&M has not scored an offensive touchdown in the second half of a football game since Auburn in September. And I knew that was an unfair thing to ask of the defense. Obviously, it's not going to be a failure if they score a touchdown in the second half. This is still SEC football. And right. A&M showed some life. They showed some character. They started getting the ball out quicker, getting the ball out to Aeneas Smith and – in space and running the ball really well and really actually started looking like they had good players. They were playing a game that, that was like, okay, this makes sense. A&M, get out of your own way. Jimbo, hand the reins over to someone else. Go away and let this team be what it's capable of being, what it will yeah. never be while Jimbo is at the head of this game. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it turned into a little bit of back and forth and then um, – a&M got a couple key stops and took the lead with four and a half minutes to go in the game. Took a four-point lead. And uh, at that point, it felt like LSU. You know, you had your plays, and LSU, you were up the whole game. LSU made a run late, took the lead late. And I, I was watching it at a friend's house. The whole family went and watched it with his family. And we just looked at each other and was like, I'm not worried about scoring. We're going to score. That's the confidence I have. We've done it all year. Uh, it's it's really the change in mindset that we've had since Lane took over and what he's built here. Um, you know, we can talk big picture later, but uh, what he's built here is a winner, and it's a it's a team that's got fight and got moxie and it's got swag and he, they care. 
and they're not going to get down no matter how badly they are playing at the time. And when it all the cards are on the table, you score a touchdown here or you lose, Jackson Dart scored, and he scored too fast again. Mm. Four plays. Uh, well, I, I can't – it was more than four plays. But it took uh, – Texas A&M got the ball back with two minutes to go, and it was just kind of like we left too much time on the clock. It was funny. I was listening to Lane's post game. I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, he said that uh, Jackson Dart came over to Lane, and Lane's telling the story. And he, Jackson was like, "We scored too quick. We scored too quick." And he was just like, "Will you just be positive?" And then <laughs> they Texas A&M drives down the field, and they line up to kick, and Jackson Dart says, "Well, we're going overtime. We'll be all right." And he just like, "Will you just please be positive?" And then they miss the kick. Jackson Dart said, looks at him and is like, okay, I'll try being positive from now on, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But Ole Miss, just like the LSU game, it was like I was watching it again. Um, uh, Trey Washington jumps a route, pass hits him in the hands to end the game, and he drops it. And just like it happened with the linebacker against LSU, hit him right in the chest and dropped it, could have ended it. And then uh, a few plays later, uh, Gaddy, had, you know, they, uh, Max Johnson kind of lobbed one up towards the sidelines. He jumps up high to get it, and he gets his feet down. But they called an interception, and they review it, and he was bobbling it. And had two chances right there to end it. Mm-hmm. But then when it mattered most, uh, got a push and got a fingernail on it to the point to where I couldn't even tell that it was blocked when watching yeah. it. It didn't the change game the trajectory. Went, the game-tying field goal yeah, was it blocked. It did not yeah. change the trajectory. It didn't change the spin. It just like it just took a little juice off of it is what it looked mm-hmm. like. And he missed it, and I went crazy. I know you don't have Facebook, but the girl's house – or the, the family's house we were in had cameras in their living room and got it on video, and it was um, – I, yeah, I lost it. Uh, it's funny, and it was a good Because you win. called me right after. You called me right after. Yeah. You said, I needed to take a walk. I thought I was having a heart attack, and I needed to call somebody. Yeah. I'm like, why'd you call me? <laughs> and, uh, and so it was a great win. It was a great win. It sets up Georgia. We're going to talk about this. Uh, nothing at all is on the line. Uh, we'll, yeah. I'll talk about it more in a minute. But what was so funny, I, I was just listening to the press conference, and I never thought I'd be diving into a press conference in this on this podcast. <laughs> but um, Lane was just talking about some of the things that he was doing, about how he was me- he he was messing with a kicker, and I don't know if you saw this or not. I'm sure you did. Yeah, I did. But so now oh, that, I did. Uh, there's a rule now to where you can't call back to back timeouts to just one. to ice the kicker, and we had two timeouts, and so kicker sets up, they center gets on the ball, long snapper gets on the ball, timeout. Okay, regroup, think about it, and so he's Lane's like. I didn't know if he knew the rule or not. So he said, I wasn't paying attention. I was trying to distract the kicker. So he said, I just started whistling and walking <laughs> over to the ref and giving the timeout signal. And I was just whistling at the kicker, like, timeout, timeout. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the, of course, the ref's just like, I'm not giving you a timeout. And Lane's like, I knew he wasn't going to give me the timeout. But I was whistling really loud, you know, <laughs> hoping to distract the kicker. Turns yeah. out he would have drilled that kick. It would have gone into overtime. But just an absolute war. I mean, just one of the biggest plays that I can remember because, I mean, everything is it, – it sets up the ultimate, ultimate free shot that we've got this weekend with absolutely nothing on the line. Which but we'll get to. But potential to be the best Saturday in Ole Miss fans' yeah. history. 
So go For ahead. Sure. Uh, please spend a few minutes talking about the Mississippi State game. Yeah, so uh, couldn't have got off to a better start. You know, it's a great <clears throat> example of the transfer portal and how it can help flip a program. You know, we had two transfers that led us in scoring. You know, Trey Fort had 21, the UT Martin transfer, um, in 33 minutes. Uh, Jimmy Bell, the West Virginia transfer, had 13 points uh, in 25 minutes on five of six oh from the field. God, Very efficient up. shooting. We're not talking Mississippi State about Mississippi State won 71-56. Beat Arizona State in the Barstool <laughs> Classic. It's college basketball. It took season, me a minute man. to realize what you're talking about. You said 13 <laughs> points. I'm like, they only scored three. <laughs> it's officially it. basketball season in Starville, man. So Chris Jans gets his first win as a head Shut basketball up. coach no, in Mississippi State for the year. We're talking about anyway. quarterback number three and how you were believing in the third quarterback you've seen this year. Uh, I'll right. say so something real State quick. Lost tw- no, I, 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 no, I'll no, say. for real. Let, I think that Mississippi State defense did play very well. They only gave up 17 points because the mm-hmm. seven points from a pick six. Pick you, six. You think in a, in a normal average SEC year in a game at home, if you hold somebody 17 points, you should win. It's the, the same freaking thing. The, the Mississippi anyway, State's offense is historically bad. Yeah, so we're getting to that. So it's the same freaking thing, but the inverse of, of South Carolina. We scored 30 points right. on the road on an SEC game with 500 yards of offense. Right. That's going to win you 9 out of and 10 Will SEC road games. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is our defense gave up 37 right. and 600 yards. Yeah, man, it was ugly. Mississippi State lost 24-3 to Kentucky. The academic weapon was just that, an <laughs> academic weapon and nothing else. Um, he, was, I think, he was less of a TI-84 and more of an abacus. <laughs> abacus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we dug a hole early, man. We got three points in the second quarter. Couldn't muster anything. Chris Parsons did move the ball effectively for a true freshman in the third quarter. There's definitely some potential there, but it was an ugly football game. Defense, again, like you said, wasn't awful. Um, I'm pulling it up. I've got it pulled up right here. We gave up you know, 271 yards. It wasn't a terrible performance. I mean, you know, decent. Held them to six point, about 6.4 yards per play. It's not a terrible performance by the defense, but offense mustered 218 yards. Just could not move effectively. We had nine penalties, that one pick six that really hurt. There's just nothing good to say about Mississippi State football right now, except this is serving the purpose, and this is harsh because Zach Arnett is a good coach. He's a good defensive coach, but, Drew, we're – we're nine games into this season, and for the for the fifth time, he has said the guys weren't ready to play, and that's on me as a head coach. And at some point, You're it's like, okay, brain. man, yeah. like it's it's like at some point, man, we're five losses into this thing. Can you just not get them ready? Because well, that can be an excuse speed. for a couple of games, it's, and I get that, yeah. and that's what ugh, like. Here we go. I rub already just getting started, but ugh, so that's what like I saw on Twitter yesterday or Monday. This guy posted the fiery video of Zach Arnett fist pumping that he was posting in the offseason. We were getting these recruits. And it's like, this was the head coach that I expected. Right. And all we got is an AI-generated coach speech that's just going to get up there and say, well, we didn't do enough it's to win the football job. game. And I it cannot be it understated how much differently your role is. You're not DC. wrong, but let me – but. Yeah. There's still like you can't lose that passion. Like you can, I it's totally it. different I being the CEO, but you can't lose that passion. And you watch him coach on the sideline, and he's mumbling to himself with a microphone up. Then you watch Nick Saban when they're up three touchdowns oh, yeah. in the fourth quarter, he's and he's just into drilling them. into people, yeah. just drilling people. Which did you see that really funny? Uh, speaking of that funny uh, post game video from Arnold, that defensive back for Alabama about LSU. No. 
my mama showed me. He said, I was coming off the field, and he's like, whoa, Coach Hyde, he's going to lay into somebody. And he said, I ran up. He said, oh, shoot, it's me. <laughs> it was really funny. Anyway, um, but, like, that's the difference in a good head SEC head coach. And I know there's some experience there, but Arnett has shown nothing that there's any kind of a pulse. No. I, and, and he's not Zach Selman's guy. He was an, an emotional, probably the right hire, but an emotional hire in the wake of Coach Leach's death. He can't be the head coach next year. We're losing 19 seniors. We lost another four-star receiver recruit um, from our own backyard. You know, Stonka left. (laughs) It's going to be AJ Brown all over again. But he was committed to Mississippi State for a year, and then just Stonka decommitted this week. Stonka. Because I have to learn that name. Stonka Burnside. Burnside. He's a stud, and I don't blame him. Like, there's nothing about Mississippi State right now that shows any competitive fire, and. Now is the time. Like, Zach Arnett has shown me absolutely nothing, even in the four wins, that tells me he's going to be the one that can redirect this thing and point it back in a positive direction. And there's two, there's going to be too many good options this offseason. Zach Selman is too well connected through his time at Oklahoma. There's got to be a better option out there. Zach I'll Arnett, Kevin Barbary are gone. When we talk about the Egg Bowl, the main thing that win or loss to Georgia for Ole Miss is this is the opportunity for Ole Miss to really put a stranglehold on this because Mississippi has a lot of athletes, but it does not have Georgia-level athletes where it can right. suffice two in-state colleges that if one of them wants to be elite, you know, cream of the crop, the other one really has to stink if you're relying mm-hmm. on in-state talent. It's what Dan Mullen did so well for so yeah. long is that he dominated Juco the in-state. And Mississippi State. Hugh Freeze yeah. wanted to go big game hunting in California and – and on the coast in Atlanta, and, and he swung and missed a lot. He got a lot, but he swung and missed so many times that it put him in a hole. But that base level of in-state talent Mississippi State always had, and it kept them from sucking. Mm-hmm. So what you're looking at now, though, is five of the top seven Mississippi kids for the 23-24 class are Ole Miss commits. Yep. If Ole Miss can go and bury Mississippi State on Thanksgiving Day, you look at a how does state go into if Ole Miss if in Lane and Ole Miss still put a high premium on in-state talent, where does Mississippi State make inroads at? It's a really hard road to climb. You can't. Yeah, it, Mississippi is going to give you a bunch of three-star kids, but they're going to be and solid elite, football players. <clears throat> you'll get a four. You'll but get those, a four-star here. Be, you're going to be like I think the number two. A uh, player in the states going to Florida State, I think, or I think number one's Florida, going to LSU. Maybe. No, number one's an yeah. Ole Miss guy. That's uh, that's, that's right, uh, Kamari oh, Franklin. That's right, Kamari Franklin. But like, because those kids you're going to be battling with Florida State, Alabama, LSU, Texas for you know, it's those three and four stars right. that you have to win. The Jeff Simmons, the AJ Browns, like these kids right. that you can't leave the let leave the state. Cam Akers, like these guys that have to stay in state. Right, and <clears throat> you're right. This we're staring down our worst SEC record since 2006, right? And it's and it's not helping us win in the recruiting trail because these kids are looking at the program, and this goes back to my point earlier. They're looking at the program and they're seeing nothing, no pulse, no direction, no and fire. You can't raise money in this situation, and it, you can scoff at. I tell you that Mississippi State's probably twelfth or thirteenth in the SEC and NIL, and say they're tenth. It doesn't matter. If you're going the wrong way, it's harder to raise money, mm-hmm. and it's becoming more important than ever to raise money. That yep. is going – if it's That's a 50-50 shot with any kid, they're going to go where the money's at. And if State yeah. 
State's always been able to pony up enough to get that guy. They got Jeffrey Simmons, and they pulled all their money together. They lost AJ, and they're like, Jeffrey Simmons, it's all yours. They did that with Leo Lewis. But mm-hmm. if it's above board now. Like you've 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 got to have more. And yeah. Hundred percent, and we're and we're not doing anything to raise funds. We're not doing anything that inspires confidence. You know, it starts with a new head coach. That Nothing, Southern Miss game, yeah. there might be fifteen thousand people that Southern Miss game. If that, no, it's if that, be bad. it's going to be ugly at the yeah. Southern Miss game. Sorry, there's going to be nobody there for that for that game. It's a non-conference. It's going to be ugly, yeah. and that right there is going to be. If that's not the nail in the coffin, you know. I was asked this week, like, are they going to fire him midseason? No, I don't think so. You don't want to be that program. Like, what is he going to do at this well, point the, of the season? You let him limp to the finish, and the Egg Bowl's on Thursday night, and by Friday night he is no longer employed by Mississippi State University. So the thing about it is uh, when you're talking about midseason fires, is a lot of times when you see that it's because you're wanting to start your coaching search and your mm-hmm. backdoor channels. I mean, all other coaches that you're talking to are – are employed they can't talk that's tampering exactly you know of course tampering happens everywhere lane was tampered with you was tampered with everybody's tampered Mm -hmm. with like players everybody everybody. um so don't gripe about it uh yeah but i kind of have the same feeling about university for the university standpoint that's why you fire your coach early is like you get a head start on everybody else if you look around the sec there's 14 jobs here and there's 14 sitting coaches you know, you think Stan Bittman's going to get fired, but he hasn't. You think Arnett's going to get fired, but he hasn't. That's really the only two jobs. You know, maybe Mark Stoops leaves. Maybe you know, there's mm-hmm. scuttlebutt with him, and if uh, if Ference, you know, retires in Iowa, maybe maybe uh, Stoops goes to Iowa. Like there may be mm-hmm. an opening there, whatever. But there's really no one to. And yeah. the, the thing the thing that helps Mississippi State too is because he's so inexperienced, he's the lowest paid SEC head coach, Buy four and a half million nothing. dollars, nothing. And so we're not going to be hamstrung. So like you can go swing and miss at some big names. You can call Willie Fritz. You can call Mike Elko. You can call um, uh, what's the OC at Oklahoma, uh, Jeff, Jeff Levy. Like you can call these guys and say, hey man, come be our head coach. We have enough money. And make them tell you no before you then start stepping down a tier to John Summerall at Troy or somebody like that. Let me but tell like, you something right now. You can go swing and miss at some of these guys, or maybe you'll maybe you'll get one of them. You may tell you something right now. The best what? name that you just – the best possible scenario is John Summerall. He's not coming yeah. to Mississippi State, though. No, you don't think uh, he'll leave Troy? No, he is the coach in waiting at Kentucky. Mm, that's uh, a good call. But – no, I don't think he'll leave Troy for Mississippi State. I've, I listen to a podcast, and I don't pretend like this is sources, but there's a guy that is close personal friends with him who came up, co- they coached together, because John Somerall coached at Ole Miss and left Ole Miss mm-hmm. to go to Kentucky and left Kentucky to take the head job at Troy. And he's just, he just flat out said, he's like, no, John Somerall's not going to come to Mississippi State. However, he's making a million dollars at Troy. If State offers him five, Make him tell you no. I get it. As my you know, as my papa yeah. says, money talks and po folks walk. So yeah, you don't walk away from five million dollars. But like there are going to be names out there that we can throw some serious cash at to try and revamp this program. And this is a pivotal point in Mississippi State football history. Like this is very much coming out of what was some golden days under Coach Mullen. We got Rocky under Joe Moorhead. Mike Leach had us point in the right direction because Drew, like you can you can disagree with me all you want, but if Mike Leach is the head coach of this football team, we're staring down an eight nine win season. Like this is a much better football team. 
it's just been a complete overhaul with the defense, offense, with new names, new faces, new uh, philosophies. They told us it was going to be just like a 1-1-A from Zach Arnett and Matt Brock. That has not been no. the case. We couldn't stop freaking Myrtle Beach High School right now if we wanted to. But this is a pivotal point. This hire matters because it's the difference in being mired in misery for the next four to five years, or do you get that guy that's going to be able to be that program changer? Again, a guy like Willie Fritz, who took Tulane from nothing Willie to being an elite be program. That, I mean, that would be a grand slam. Mike Elko from Duke, does he come get SEC experience? Like, there are some names out there that we could go after and pay, but you have to go for those guys or you're staring down misery – for the next four or five I years. I look forward to one, uh, looking forward to the – I hope that you guys have a coaching change. It's going to be a really fun thing for us to talk about on here. Yeah. Because there's pluses and minuses to all these, and we don't have the time tonight to get into it. Willie Fritz would be a great hire. His his con is that he's in his mid-60s, you know. Yeah. He is what he is. Not a long uh, term, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think Mississippi State, if you can't – if if – the first three, four guys that you just want to throw a bunch of money at don't come, you really need to think of this the way that Memphis thought about their coach. You know, they got Justin Fuente. He took them to here and left to go to Virginia Tech. Then Mike Norvell, they went and hired him. He took them to Access Bowls. And, yes, he left for Florida State. But when you leave for Florida State, you're in a better spot. It's because you're winning. That was my whole thing with Lane. I didn't like the job. I never thought that Auburn was – Head and shoulders above Ole Miss or Florida, you know. But if he was to, if Ohio State were to call, it was like, okay, that's a no-brainer. That's a step up. And if Ohio State's wanting my coach, it's because we're here. It's because you're winning. Yeah, hundred percent. And if that becomes the next couple of years where you get these guys, like like somebody who's making that next step that goes comes to Mississippi State and then goes to Oklahoma or comes to Mississippi State and goes to Clemson, it's because you're winning. Right. And that's what we need that guy. We need somebody who understands NIL, somebody who understands the transfer portal because that's the future of college football right now. Like we have to have those guys. And if it's Willie Fritz, if it's Mike Elko, if it's somebody we haven't talked about, like Jeff Levy, like these guys can they, they can do that, then I'm all for it. It just can it cannot be Zach Arnett next year or you're going to lose the fan base I think 100%. Y'all hire Dabo Sweeney. Okay. No. All right. So Ole Miss plays Georgia this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. hang on. We're going we're gonna to get into our picks. We'll use our picks to kind of highlight because there's okay. some good games this week. That's enough looking back. Yeah. Looking ahead. So, Drew, we'll go right into our picks for this coming weekend. And uh, as always, brought to you, not really, but by DraftKings because of the good friend of the podcast, Aaron Tinburen. If you're listening, Aaron, DraftKings, if you're listening, please sponsor this segment. So we got five games to pick from this week, Drew. We got some pretty big ones on deck. One of the first ones is a Big Ten matchup. Michigan plays at Penn State. Michigan is a a four-and-a-half-point road favorite. They are mired in a cheating controversy, which, you know – Everybody steals signs. No. Like the guy was, <clears throat> guy was, guy was buying tickets and and they were doing it the wrong way. Stein, sign stealing has been a part of the game in baseball and football for eons. But you don't buy tickets and go watch other teams' games. Like I get that's taboo, but I don't know. Anyway, Michigan is mired in a that's in a like, scandal and they play at Penn State. That's like saying everybody, you know, everybody uh, watches bootleg DVDs, you know. But, you know, everybody else goes to their buddy's house that's got a burnt copy. You are sitting in the movie theater with a video camera. Like, there's a big difference here. Sure, like, sure. Again, like, signs, you know, and now, Rutgers, now, signs ceiling is part of football. Yeah, no, it is. It's but, part of baseball, too. But 
the thing but is, you don't go like, film them. Yeah. If you're, you know, one coach came out and said, yeah, we still sign them. Yeah, we even share them. But I'm, it was my job to watch 10 hours of TV broadcast to catch a glimpse of assistant coaches every other play. He's like, this dude is sitting at the 50-yard line with a video camera. That's a big step up, and that is very, very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see what happens here. Uh, for some reason, uh, I mean, Harbaugh obviously has that team rolling. He, their team believes in him. He, he served, a, what, a four-game, three-game suspension for recruiting violations and the first play of their season, they all lined up in a line and held up the four for him. Like they, they believe in him. What you can, the public, the media can have their own perception of Jim Harbaugh, but what that team, that team will go to war for Jim Harbaugh. And mm-hmm. I'm not big on Penn State, anyways. I don't think their offense is that great. Uh, their defense is really salty. But James Franklin, I wish I wrote down these stats. He's like four and twenty against top 10 teams in his career. He beats the crap out of everybody who stinks or that's even with him, but he loses every single big game that he has. I'm taking Michigan State minus four and a half. I would take him minus 10, you know. Yeah, I I agree. I think Michigan beats the brakes off of him just because, like what you said, James Franklin can't win big games. This is a big game. Michigan covers four and a half pretty easily. I agree. Um, next up, we got our first of four SEC tilts we're going to look at. Uh, Tennessee is a one-and-a-half-point road favorite at Missouri. They're playing in Columbia. You know, I thought Missouri had a good chance last week against Georgia. I was right. They kept it close. They hung with Georgia. Georgia just had the, the dogs, you know, no pun intended, to kind of lean on them late to win that football game. I'm high on Missouri. I mean, I think they're, they're one of their big receivers got hurt against Georgia. He's kind of 50-50 on whether or not he's going to play, which could impact this game. I don't know that I trust Joe Milton. You know, he's got a big arm, but is it consistent? Not really. Um, I'm taking Missouri to win at home. Yeah, this is totally dependent on whether Luther Burden plays or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Luther Burden plays, I'm with you on Missouri uh, being the home team. A one-and-a-half-point favorite tells me that if this was at Tennessee, it'd be four-and-a-half or five. Um I don't really have – I feel like this is a good team, but a good matchup between two equally yoked teams, if you know what I mean, you know, to take it to mm-hmm. the King James version. Um, to make things spicy, getting towards the end of the season, I'll take UT. Uh, you got Mizzou. I've got a two-game lead on the season, so we'll see how that shakes out. All right. Uh, next up in a battle of and another mid off in the SEC, we have got Auburn at Arkansas. Arkansas is surprisingly a two and a half point home favorite. Um, you talk about this one first. Honestly, this is a, this is a coin toss. Both teams are bad offensively. Although Miss, uh, you know Auburn looked pretty good two weeks against Mississippi. Two weeks ago against Mississippi State, Auburn's defense is pretty good. They're 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 a decent SEC team or defensive team. I think Sam Pittman is a, is a lame duck. He is on his way out. I think Arkansas is completely caved in. I think Auburn's defense is a difference in this game. It could be another 7-3 to three or 10-6 to six type ball game. I'm going to Auburn on the road to beat Arkansas. Uh, see, I'm, I totally disagree with you on that. Uh, Arkansas just went on the road and beat Florida in Gainesville in the Swamp. First time they'd ever won in the Swamp ever. Right. You can make the argument Florida's not good. Well, that was Arkansas was owing the SEC season up until that point. Like Arkansas mm-hmm. is the worst team in the SEC, so we thought. 
you know, based on a four-point game against Mississippi State, Arkansas is now the worst team in the SEC. And and they went on the road and beat Florida. Um, so I think that they fired Danny Nose, obviously. Mm-hmm. That game against Florida, they looked differently on offense. It's like they reverted back to doing things that they've done in the past with KJ with more more options, more or less uh, – Repeatable stuff like they they get they would they were so there was no variance at all in their offense under Dan Enos. I think Arkansas mm-hmm. wins. I think they win at home. I think they win by at least three points. There you go. All right. So we got two we disagreed on. Uh, now we get to our two favorite teams. We got Ole Miss at Georgia. Georgia is an eleven point home favorite. Um. So uh, big picture here, um, Ole Miss is eight and one. Uh, they are eight and one for. Or they were seven and one for two straight years, and week nine that we just finished was the year where everything kind of went downhill for Ole Miss. They played Alabama uh, the same week last year that we played A and M, and that's when it kind of started to tailspin. This year, Ole Miss played A and M at home, and uh, had another win, another dramatic win, another win that you feel good about to get you to eight and one. Right now, you look at this Ole Miss team, and I think anybody, including you, Rusty, would say that this team at its floor is 10-2 and two when you finish this season. Um, Best-case scenario, you go on the road and you beat Georgia, and you finish 11-1. and one. Well, 11-1, and one, without a lot of help, you still miss the playoff. 10-2, and two, you're missing the playoff. Neither way, you're getting to the SEC championship game because Alabama's not losing to Kentucky and Auburn. So... That leads me to believe that this is the ultimate free shot. Like, there is literally nothing to lose. If you lose this game, you're going to an access bowl. You're going to the citrus or the cotton or the peach. If you win this game, you throw everything you've got at them, you get weird, things get crazy, and you go to Athens and win, you're looking at 11-1, and you need – you start watching the Pac-12, hoping they beat themselves up. You hope everything. You may hope Florida State takes a loss. There's a lot of things you're looking at. Still unlikely, but you're looking at finishing a regular season 11 and one and going to an Access Bowl. Um, best season in Ole Miss history. You know, you look back. There's only been two times, uh, three times Ole Miss has won 10 games in a season, and Lane will have two of them as long as you don't go losing Starkville. You know, because you're going to beat ULM at home. Uh, and you – numbers say you go beat Mississippi State. They're not that good. We both agree on that. You wouldn't yeah. – you you would not tell me that Mississippi State has over a 15 20% chance to win this game. Nope. Uh, and so, it's – I want Lane to go over there, and I'm not saying 17 wide receiver passes and fake every – field goal I'm saying be smart but whatever you've got you have you I can't imagine going into a game in which you're eight and one you're going to play the number two team in the country on their home field and I'm telling you right now that you have nothing to lose you're ten and a half point dogs you're you're good Georgia's more beatable this year than they've ever been however Georgia has not lost in 26 straight games they have not lost at home since 2018. 
The mm-hmm. odds are against you. If you tell me that Ole Miss loses by 10 to 14 points, next week I'm going to come on this podcast and just be like, yeah, we're not as good as Georgia. Okay. Nobody – I don't don't think we are. But, Rusty, you're going to have to reschedule this podcast if we beat Georgia this weekend. You're going to want to, you're going to, want to get out of Dodge if Ole Miss beats I, Georgia. Uh, I've already told somebody this week <laughs> that you will be absolutely insufferable if we win, if y'all yeah. win that game. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's the ultimate free shot. I think Lane goes out there, and he's even said that, and which is something that's refreshing because – Lane, given his faults and, you know, you like media stuff, whatever, he always seems to tell the truth when you ask good questions. And he got up there and he said as much. He said, we ain't got nothing to lose. I mean, he always gets uptight when he plays Alabama because he wants so bad to beat Nick Saban that it costs him games. But the fact that he's approaching this game in Athens against the number two team, the, the two-time reigning college football playoff champions, uh, with a 26-game winning streak and a much longer than that home winning streak, that he's approaching this with like, what the heck? Let's uh, get Got nothing to lose. Out. Yeah, and those are dangerous teams. Yeah, and so the number seems fair because if you look, if I look at this, the way that Vegas puts these lines is they want 50% of the money on either side. So. I can see it going either way at this line. If you told me that Ole Miss lost 24-35, well, it goes over by half point, Georgia by half point, that's not unrealistic. You know, the only thing that I can say is I would be shocked by is an Ole Miss blowout, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Ole Miss covers. I hope Ole Miss covers. I'm going to – I'm riding high. I'm not going to pick against them uh, because if – I don't want Ole Miss to go win in Athens and me come back on this podcast next Thursday and be like, I wish I'd have taken Ole Miss. Like, mm-hmm. no, we're going down with the ship. So give there me the go. Rebels. Right. Let it all hang out. I can tell you right now, uh, I will be stressed out if it's close late, but not any point this week am I going to, or next week, unless we just get slaughtered, which is the only way that there's possible negative repercussions is if you go beat 45-7. to seven. Yeah. The only way you're going to come out of this looking poorly is if you get blown out. And I don't think we will. The defense yeah. is playing good. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention against uh, in the A&M game, Ole Miss is top five in the nation in sacks. Texas A&M was number one. Ole Miss only gave up one sack all game. Uh, it's like the offensive line is playing good, the defensive line is playing good, and there's not one star, but everybody contributes, and they're very, very deep. Uh mm-hmm. And so I think Ole Miss has got a chance. If you, I pretty much agree with the ES, the FPI prediction, whatever. I think they give Ole Miss like a thirty percent chance. You know, I think that's fair. Uh, but give me Ole Miss. Let them. I'm going to take them to cover. I have gone back and forth on this a ton, a ton. I think Ole Miss is a really good football team this year. I think Ole Miss offensively can keep this game very, very close. I don't think Georgia's going to blow them out. Um, I'm, I'm back and forth, honestly, even like right now. like Part of me wants to take Georgia just so I have a chance to get a lead on you here yeah. late in the season because do I, I think Georgia could win. A, I'm taking A&M. So. I mean, I know that. <laughs> yeah. I think I think Georgia could win this game by two touchdowns. I think this could be like a 24-10 or a you know, game, but that just doesn't seem realistic. I think it could be. 
But I don't think it will be. Yeah. I think Ole Miss covers. I don't think they win outright. But I think Ole Miss loses by less than 11. I think that that's like a game. Like this game is probably going to be 24-21 or 27-25 or something kooky like that. I don't know that it'll be a two-touchdown game. 11 seems like a lot of points against a team that can score. Ole Miss can't stop a whole lot of people very effectively, but they can score. Right. And Brock Bowers, there's a chance Brock Bowers plays this weekend. They're not ruling yeah, him out. that was not good news. <laughs> that, could, that could make this game a 14-point game. Yeah. But I'm actually going Ole Miss to cover – against Georgia on the road. I did see that. If you want to talk about uh, officiating conspiracies, because Ole Miss has had their fair share of not great calls this year. In offensive holding calls in SEC games, not including Vanderbilt. Um, so in, I guess we're 8-1, and one, so in seven SEC games, Ole Miss has been called for 20 offenses, offensive holds, holds. The other teams have combined for four. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to go play the number two team in the country at their place. So just that the SEC ain't going to yeah, want to lose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Do you follow? There's a, there's a parody SEC uh, officiating account on Twitter. Do you <laughs> do. follow it? It's, yeah. It cracks me up. Anyway, lastly, yeah. Uh, What's this? I picked line end up being seventeen and a half. Oh, that's and, too much. Uh, I'm picking state because I can't at pick A&M? against my dogs. Is at A and M. We've had we've had A and M's number under Mike Leach and these last few guys. I have no vain imagination we're gonna win this game because we are anemic on offense and that's being kind. Um, I, but I'm I'm gonna take my dogs. I uh, I don't feel confident about it. But I don't think, I, we're not gonna win. We're not gonna win. But I think we'll lose by less than seventeen and a half. The last time I got scared off off of a number because of a of a a big spread. Mississippi State playing a game on the road was Auburn, and I picked Mississippi State because I was like, that's too big of a number to be yeah. against Auburn on the road. I'm not going to be scared off this time. They're, I'm not going to lose on the same side again. Give me A&M. That A&M team is fine. They've got players, and they're good enough to beat bad teams badly, but until they get Jimbo out of the way and get somebody in there that can manage the talent they got on the roster, they have no chance of actually competing at the top tier of the SEC, like Ole Miss. Yes, currently. Yeah, God, like oh. <laughs> Anyway. Hey, All right, Brady so you're picking A&M. Jackson Dart, I wanted to read you this stat. According to Pro Football Focus, um, oh, man, it refreshed. Don't get me off Good. of it. Good. We don't need to hear that uh, anyway. All right, so uh, highest-graded quarterbacks in college football this year. Uh, no surprise, Jaden Daniels, number one. J.J. McCarthy, number two. Bo Nix, three. Michael Penix, four. Jackson Dart, five. In all of college football, highest-graded quarterbacks, he's at a 91.2. Below him, uh, Drake May, Carson Beck, Jalen Milrow, Drew Aller, and Dylan Gabriel. So, uh, Jackson Dart for Heisman. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway. He don't have the All right. We'll we'll briefly touch on our uh, top four, run through those pretty quick, and then we'll finish up with some fantasy football. Um, my list doesn't change a whole lot from last week. There's one uh, one change. Um, my number one team is still Georgia. Uh, until they lose, uh, they're going to be my number one team. Uh, I got Michigan, number two. They beat the brakes off of people. I think they're going to beat Penn State again this weekend. That defense is elite. J.J. McCarthy's playing great football. Blake Kazan, the, the running back's really good. Uh, cheating scandal or not, Michigan's a good football team. Uh, Florida State, same, number three, until they get beat uh, or prove otherwise. Florida State's number three. And then I don't believe in Ohio State. I, you know, I'm sure they're a good football team. They're probably going to, you know, be undefeated playing Michigan at the end of the year. 
I, I just I love Michael Penix and that Washington football team. And so I'm going Washington number four as my top four. We didn't talk about your boy on Washington. Oh, having, oh my God. Dylan Johnson, have 50, a day, 55. I, I calculated the fa- what that would be in fantasy football points and PPR. Yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah. 55 and a half points or something well, like that. 256 yards rushing. And four and touchdowns. Like, what, three, four touchdowns. <laughs> just a frigging day You for think Washington, Mississippi State man. could use him this year? God, man, you know, happy. I'm happy for him, but yeah, man, especially the way Woody Marks has been hurt all year. But happy for DJ and Washington's my number four team. Yeah, so uh, Georgia's obviously number one of the best team in the country. Nobody should ever be able to beat them, Um, you know, especially not this week against Ole Miss. It's the (laughs) ultimate underdog thing. If if Ole Miss wins this game this weekend, it will be literally the biggest upset since David beat Goliath. Uh, Yep. You know, all praise and glory to Kirby. In Georgia, they're the number one team in, in the country and probably the NFL. Um, mm. They're they're my number one. Um, I hope they heard me say that. Take it easy. <laughs> uh, I know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, two is Ole Miss, obviously. Big win home against uh, Texas A&M. Uh, we're riding high, eight and one overall. Six and one in the or uh, yeah, six and one in the SEC. Uh, five and one in the SEC. Uh, nothing to lose. Uh, just go if if Ole Miss wins by my polls, you should be the number one team in the college football playoff next week. Uh, yeah, number two, number three is Michigan, and number four is Washington with Florida State just falling out. Uh, I love, like you said, I love Michael Penix. I love watching that Washington team. Um, but yeah, that's my top four. Ole Miss just soaring to the top. All right, Drew, hit us with the Drewskis this week. We didn't do it last week. We're going to move yeah, right on forgot. into fantasy football, and we'll wrap up with League of Avengers. Yeah, you know, I forgot to do it on a week that I won, you know, and then I had a close loss to another elite opponent, one Hunter Shaw. Um, it came down to the very end there, and it just did not work out for me on uh, week number nine here in fantasy football. It ended up being a 12-point loss for myself. Rusty, uh, you took your second loss of the year, a 10-point loss to Justin Lumpkin in a good game. Uh, scores are down, but there was one big blowout, one blowout worthy of, of naming a Buddy Stevens Award winner, and that goes to Cousin Kirk and the triangle face of Monkey uh, on a two-game winning streak to get him up to 4-5 and five overall, beat his good friend, Jordan Woodruff and the uh, Ascardians of the Galaxy uh, by 35 points. Uh, he was the highest scorer of the week, Kirk was, and had the largest margin of victory. Uh, outside of that, the Al Gore Award winner. Let's see what we got here. Uh, Rusty, congratulations. You won your first Drewski of the year. Let's uh, go. 107.92 uh, and a 10-point loss to Justin Lumpkins. Congratulations. You can add to your trophy collection behind you right. an Al right. Gore award for the Let's go. for the most points scored in a loss, you know. <laughs> it it fits you well to have an award named after your hero Al Gore. <laughs> yeah. Inventor of the internet Al Gore. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I got. Uh good week. Uh let's look at the final standings projections here. Uh Oh, shoot, I hate the way they do this. Uh, number yeah. one, Gotham City Knights with Hunter Shaw. Mm-hmm. Number two, the Mad Titans. Thank you. 
number three. Uh, Poison Ivy. Aaron Ivy. That's me. And number four oh, yeah. is Lumpkin. Justin Lumpkin. Yep. So, uh, let's see. Standings. Uh, yeah. So, that's where we stand right now. Rusty... This has been a very good podcast. We've hit about, we found it, found our kind of rhythm here one yep. year in. Uh, this is the <laughs> point. This is the mark we like to be at to keep this episode fresh and not droning on too long. We've learned to really cut ourselves off a little bit uh, yep. and keep the rambling nonsense and and or cut the rambling nonsense and keep the meat and potatoes, if you know what I mean. That's it. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, enjoyed it. Great episode tonight. Uh, if y'all listen to this, you obviously know where to find us for our podcast, but we're on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. If you want to see our ugly mugs for some reason, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on social media at the number two buck sports podcast on Instagram where we do our polls. Listen, guys, we're getting more and more responses and people participating in our polls. Thank you so much. Those are always fun to interact with and appreciate y'all being involved in our questions and our polls. Really appreciate that. Uh, we're also on Twitter, Facebook, at Two Bucks Sports Podcast, both places. Look us up. Give us a follow. And as always, give us a five-star review. You can talk crap. Tell us we're terrible. Tell us we're, our, our face is bad, our hair is bad, whatever. But if you leave a five-star review, we will read it on air. So definitely give us a review. Let us know what you think. Until next time, Drew, enjoyed it, buddy. Hey, you know, I'm I'm on winning streak. I'm 1-0 since last week. Yeah. No computer malfunctions this week. One and Let's, oh, baby. Oh, one and oh, baby. The streak is alive. <laughs> so, all right, Rusty, it's been a good time. Hit that outro music, and I'll uh, see you again next week. See you, buddy.